This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. I played in some massive games this year, um, like cup finals and big Champions League games. And, and yeah, they're, they're the games that everyone wants to play in. And yeah, sometimes it's difficult for a young player to play in them games. But um, I think he's been patient with me and, and played me at the right times. And, and yeah, now I'm learning a lot. I feel ready, ready to go. And, and yeah, he just wants to see good attitude every day and want you to see see your training well and you know I go to train every day 100% and and that's why you can't go wrong really you know just give give you all every training session and come off off that field knowing that you give everything to get in the team and and that's what I try and do and if if I don't get in the team you know I know I've put 100% in if I get in the team I know I've I've earned it so so yeah that's how I work and and I think think that's what he likes about me so so yeah On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9 that was Phil Foden discussing the impact of his club boss, Pep Guardiola. Consistent performances have resulted in a call-up to the England squad. Oh yeah, it's international football. It's our first show of the brand new season as well. And it's coming at you on the 12th birthday of BFM. So much to take it. Happy birthday, BFM. That's from me and the guys, Craig Wilkie. Happy birthday, BFM. Good evening, everyone. Ishnan's also here. Hello, hello. It's been 12 years, eh? That, that's quite fast. Yeah, I know, man. That's like a kid, little kid, little annoying kid age. <laughs> <laughs> Craig Marias is also here. Two Craigs for the price of one tonight. Yeah. Hello, happy birthday, BFM. And great to be back for the new season. Right. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Coming up then, we're going to tell you all about fantasy football. Uh, you should join our league. Details coming up. Craig's got some tips. Apparently, he's a bit of a fantasy football master, don't you know? We'll also be talking football transfers. Donny van der Beek, the highest profile move this week to, to Man United from Ajax. But we start with the Nations League. Now, I briefly explained in the last show what it's all about. It's kind of divided into groups. And, and basically, the top league is League A. Um, Germany and Spain were involved in a 1-1 draw. I literally just finished watching the recording of that. <laughs> and uh, they, Germany looked good. Um, Sané looked a little bit r- rusty, as you might expect. Timo Werner, I thought, led the line really well, Craig Marias. He did. Um, and you know, a lot's expected of him this season in the Premier League with Chelsea. He really, he's ready off the mark for Chelsea. Um, you know, scored against Brighton last week uh, with a with a decent enough finish. But I like this finish, I really did, because um, the ball, you know, came square to him in the box. Um, did a quick shimmy, got it onto his right foot, and, and placed it into the corner. And um, it was a finish of, of of good quality against really good opposition. Um, now. You know, he comes into this Chelsea side and he's got a little bit of competition. Olivier Giroud had a really good uh, post-lockdown uh, form. Uh, Tammy Abraham, you know, was hot and cold throughout the season. But, you know, it was his first season in the Premier League for Chelsea. Uh, but now Timo Werner comes with a big 50 million price tag. And, um, you know, a lot's expected of Chelsea uh, in general. You know, mm-hmm. they're meant to be title challengers. Uh, Kai Havertz didn't get off the bench in this game. But, you know, he's expected to be confirmed by Chelsea. Uh, later this week. Yeah, we'll so, we we talk about that. Yeah, That's we'll talk big about money that. as well, that one. Big, very big money. I mean, yeah. it will be the biggest move in the transfer window um, if, if Sancho doesn't come over, I think. Okay. Uh, for, for, for the Premier League. But, you know, he, he looked really good. He looked sharp. Um, and, you know, I wasn't too sure about Timo Werner in the Premier League. Um, I still have my doubts. Uh, but I think Keish is uh, a big fan. And, um, you know, he, 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 he kind of rates him. So he thinks he'll do well in the Premier League. But, yeah, I still think he's got a bit to prove. What, how, how could Timo Werner fail in the Premier League, Keish, if he's targeted and nobbled a la Jack Grealish style? <laughs> uh, Timo Werner is a very dynamic striker. And that's the thing. Last night, what we saw was just uh, an example of how he can play, an example of how he could potentially uh, be fielded on the, in, in the starting eleven. But essentially, he's comfortable playing on the flanks as well. And that's what makes him such an attractive proposition for Chelsea because obviously we know that um, judging by the signings that they've made and judging by how Lampard has sort of uh, built his site over the course of the last season, 
it's pretty obvious at this point that Lampard wants an, an, an offensive department that is very flexible in terms of movement. And that's what he likes about Pulisic, who can play both on the left and, and, and the right. That's what he likes about, uh, about players like Hakim Ziyech, who can do that as well. Timo Werner definitely has the ability to do that. But last night was a very important display because I don't think I don't think anyone doubts his ability to be a you know to play behind a main striker or to play on either flanks, but to just single-handedly lead the line up front. Now, during the World Cup a couple of years ago, there was all these talks about how Germany just lacked that one individual up front. And at that point, I don't think even Werner himself mm. was doing or executing that role in a, in, a, in a convincing manner. And that's why they sort of struggled. You know, previously, they've always had Mirosav Klose, they, they've had uh, Mario Gomez. Um, but, but right now, they've, they've just lacked that one individual with the capacity to do that. But last yeah. night, I thought Werner, I agree with you, Ross. I genuinely thought he led the line impressively. Yeah. Even in the absence of some key Bayern Munich players who were not part of the team, but Werner held on to that role. And if he can, he can do that for Chelsea. Be that dynamic figure, but at the same time, when they do need him to lead the line up front, if he can do that on a consistent basis, I see no reason as to why he can't be an, an, an absolute success in the Premier League. Yeah, it was a Germany side shorn of Bayern Munich players because they were involved in the Champions League. But we saw Bayern's new signing, Craig Wilkie, Leroy Sané, when he was on the field and, and dovetailing with, with Timo Werner because he always made the run. So Werner had an outlet. But when he went off, Werner kind of looked a little bit lost as nobody was supporting him. But, but Sané, we, we know he's got it in him. He's, he's up there, one of the best. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Can you just explain to us again how the Nations League works, Ross? That's a whole show. Come on. The thing, is, the thing that's confusing me, I don't even know what season we're in anymore. Well, you know, the Nations League as we started, we played the Community Shield. All, all I know, all I know is that there, there are four or five groups in League A. Now, they're the only ones that matter as far as the trophies concerned. For everybody else, it's about relegation and promotion. It's, it's that simple. But, Something like that. Yeah. To be okay. fair, I don't even know what day of the week it is. But yeah, let's go back to Leroy Sané. And I actually think he's going to be quite a big miss for City, to be honest. I mean, when he was, when he was fit and firing, he, was really, he had become such a key player for them. He adds such dynamism to the front line. You know, he's always willing to take the ball. He's willing to take defenders on, willing to get a shot away early. And you can see, like you mentioned, a little bit rusty perhaps after not having that much game time for a while. But... You can see that the attributes that he has, mm. I think he'll fit very smoothly into that Bayern side because they're such a well-oiled machine. They'll yeah. give them that, maybe something a little bit extra, another dimension up front. So, yeah, and actually, to be fair, I thought both sides played pretty well, gave us a really good game of football last yeah. night. In, uh, considering the, the point that we're in, you know, sort of between seasons and just preparing for the next one, and they've come off, a lot of these guys have come off a, a pretty, you know, pretty run of, of significant fixtures. You know, they played a lot of football in the last few weeks, last few months, and uh, they put in a good performance. Some big players missing on both sides. So from that point of view, a little bit hard to gauge the form of both of these teams. I mean, if the Euro had been played in this summer, as we'd expected, the, these two sides would have been among the favourites. And they will still expect to be among the favourites next year if the tournament yeah. hopefully goes ahead. So it's all about now about how they build and try and build some of that momentum back again as they prepare for that tournament in a year's time. All right. Um, for or actually, Sane's uh, city replacement, replacement. Uh, <laughs> turned out for Spain, and yeah. Ferran looks all right, doesn't he, Craig Marais? He does. He does. He looked really sharp. Uh, exactly. To be I was just going to come. It came in nicely. I was just going to tell uh, Craig Wilkie. You know, I do think Sane will be missed. Um, you know, because he's you know leopard direct. Um, he just the Premier League really well, and I, I do think he's much quicker than, than Ferran Torres. Not to say Ferran Torres isn't quick, mm. but I mean, Sonic's a different kind of quick, isn't he? He's, he's Olympic kind of, kind of sprinting quick. Uh, but Ferran Torres looked good. Um, was unlucky, played, played that left-hand side, uh, you know, cut in, tested De Gea, who I thought uh, was really good in, in, in the Spanish role. Uh, possibly one of the best players on the field. Um, um, and uh, Kevin Trapp, you know, was was caught into action quite quite a few times. When, yeah, just when, don't uh, don't tell him to use his top. feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. how did Rodrigo miss that? Exactly. And what a tackle though! What what a tackle though by Kevin Trapp though. Yeah. To, to, to come back and uh, to to save himself there. Um, but yeah, uh, Ferentos looks good. And 
I mean, it's it's all right on this stage. Uh, I think coming into the Premier League, when it, when it's going to be a little a little bit more physical, um, would, would be the main question. I'm not sure if it fits straight into that first eleven. Um, I, I, you know, I think you know you're you're Sterling will have something to say about that on the left hand side. Um, I I think that um, what's his name, Mares as well mm. on, on the opposite flank. Yeah. I think you know they're good to start. Let's not forget Phil Foden and where he's going to play. Is he going to play a central role? Is he going to play out wide? Um, so, so City still have a few options. I still think you know Ferran Torres has a lot of work to do to start playing the Pep Guardiola way mm. um, and, and kind of forcing himself into that first eleven. But that, the signs are good if we if anything uh, last night was to go by. Before we leave off Spain, Kish, um, we we saw um, Rodrigo played a lone striker's role for Spain. He's Leeds United's £26 million pound signing. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to be totally honest here. Watching Rodrigo up to this game, I thought he was a little lightweight. I don't know if he can carry uh, the main striker's role and, and score enough goals, keep Leeds up. But yeah. he was good yeah. in this game. He, he did what he was supposed to do and unlucky not to get a goal. Yeah, there were a couple of really good chances that he sort of... That left one him. where he, um, he like, yeah, hit exactly, it perfectly, yeah. right? Yeah, but eventually, I mean, he did play a part in the, in the equaliser yeah. as well for Spain. Um, the thing about Rodrigo and Leeds United is that, that, that there's a lot of still... Uh, there's still probably a, a sense of, like, lack of clarity in terms of how Marcelo Bielsa wants to use him. Because obviously, with, mm. with, with Valencia, he was more of a, of a main striker's role there. And the thing about Valencia is... It's difficult to to holistically evaluate Rodrigo's performance when they've had like nine managers or fourteen managers in the span of like a few years, and he kept you know being chopped and changed into different systems. But under Marcelino, and I think that is the the best period of time where you can uh, you know evaluate Rodrigo for what he is. Under Marcelino, over the span of a year and a half or two years, even he was pretty consistent at one point, scoring sixteen goals in La Liga as well. And the yeah. great thing about Rodrigo is. He's got the capacity, the work rate, to be able to play behind the main striker. And quite possibly, that's what Bielsa wants, really. He seems to be a huge mm. fan of, of uh, Patrick Bamford. Um, and, and a striker like Rodrigo Moreno, to play behind him. Or even if Rodrigo leads the lineup front, I think the one thing that he definitely brings, right? The goal-scoring ability is one thing. But the one aspect of his game that Bielsa would definitely like, and we saw glimpses of it last night, is that he's... He's a real workhorse on the pitch. Yeah, he runs at defenders. Very, very good. He presses them. Yeah, he's really hardworking in the final third, and that's perfect with the sort of intensity that Bielsa would like in the Premier League. I agree. There are question marks over his ability to be that prolific goal scorer, but again, we're not sure if that's exactly what exactly. Bielsa wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be. He's uh, uh, definitely a great player, though. Yeah. yeah, just touch on that, Kisha. I think that's a great point because. Uh, on my FPL show, I actually have a Leeds fan that's there. That's one of my um, expert pundits. And he reckons that Rodrigo will, play, be, will be playing out wide and Bamford still secures that central striker role. Um, so, so that kind of works well. I think Rodrigo, I think when he came to Bolton, he played out wide as well, didn't he? Uh, when he was much younger. And um, so, so that's how Leeds fans think he's going to set up. Uh, they still think that Bamford will be securing that central striker role. Interesting season ahead. Bielsa could win the league. Who knows? All right, back to the Nations League. Uh, the the Germany Spain draw was a League A four group match. Uh, in the other match in the group, Ukraine two, Switzerland one. Yamalenko and Zuchenko with with the goals there for the Ukraine. Uh, we talk about Wales now. Wales play in League B. They're in Group B four. They went away to Finland and uh, won 1-0, Craig Wilkie. Um, it was, well, I actually didn't expect that. So, well done, Ryan Giggs and Wales. <laughs> yeah, it was well done because uh, they went out there with a relatively young, inexperienced side, albeit Gareth Bale had to interrupt his golf tour, played a little bit of football. Um, <laughs> only... and he didn't like that, did he? <laughs> only about 45 minutes, I think. Um, so, yeah, there, there was somebody who's lacking a bit of game time as well. But, yeah, I think Daniel James also played. Um, yeah. I think played quite, quite well, according to all, all reports. So, that'll give him a Instead bit of confidence. Cause, yeah, because we know that he, he started the season really well last season when he first made that move to Manchester United, you know, trying to prove himself on that massive, massive stage. Mm. Of course, 
perhaps understandably, he faded a little bit towards the end of the season. I think he's still finding his feet. So I think to get back in the Wales squad and perform like that will be a real confidence boost for him going into the season. And Giggs, you know, you look at this, this whole situation of the Euros being postponed by year and you wonder which sides it might benefit. And, you know, Wales are one of those with a, with a younger team. Yep. Another, another year to prepare, a bit more experience for that squad could be a very good thing for, for Ryan Giggs and, and all those players. So they'll, they'll be feeling as though, you know, a game like that certainly gets them back up and running again. And they'll be looking forward now with confidence to the rest of the preparation for that. Yeah, uh, Giggs certainly gave the young ones a run out. Man United midfielder Dylan Levitt was given a, a debut, as was Liverpool fullback Neko Williams. That, he's brave. I mean, kudos to Giggs, yeah. but I, I guess maybe he hasn't many options, does he, Craig Marias? Yeah, he, he doesn't. And, um, you know, Ramsey, Ramsey pulled out of the squad. Exactly. They, had, they had a couple of experienced guys that, that didn't really feature. Uh, Dylan Levitt's played for, for United in, in the Europa League before, but he hasn't had any real first team experience with the squad. So uh, I think when you, you know, when you talk about Wales and, you know, you're going to see a lot of this, um, you know, it's no shock to the Welsh fans uh, that, you know, you have someone that's very inexperienced, promising, but, you know, hasn't had much senior football uh, because they, they, they're more or less forced to. You take that first, the strongest 11 away and, and you know, there's not real many options out there. Uh, but he had a good game. Yeah, you know, he had a really good game. There's the the academy coaches really like him. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously with Nicky Butt being there, you know, Giggs did speak to him beforehand, just checking on his quality and, and how he is. Fit in perfectly. And uh, Neko Williams, obviously, he's, he's had a few appearances for Liverpool last season. Started mm. the Community Shield. Uh, came on as a sub. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the future for Wales looks, looks pretty okay. Yeah. Um, if these guys can keep up and keep playing... Uh, consistent, uh, getting consistent minutes in senior football. Yeah. Um, I see not, why not? Now, Gareth Bale is one of the highest paid footballers in the world. We, we all know about his problems at club level, that the fact that he's not used a lot. Kishnan, is it shocking behavior when you're not used a lot by your club? You know on the international calendar, there are two games for Wales coming up. And you turn up looking like Gareth Bale did. He, I mean, I want to say rusty, but what's rustier than rusty? <laughs> that was Gareth yeah, Bale. No, there, there's, there's a sense of feeling, Ross, uh, that he's just lost interest in this. Uh, you, you, you sort of get that feeling at times. Um, for me, right, I, I've just always... The, the default view that I've always had of Gareth Bale is... Obviously, when he joined Real Madrid and towards the, you know, the, in the last two, three years, he's been out of favor. And the, you know, the Zidane has treated him really harshly. I agree, Real Madrid have not been very fair to him either. But you look at it from the point of view of Gareth Bale. Sure, you could argue that he's, he has the, the, a contract, a pretty lucrative one. He's got every right to stay there and you know, earn the paycheck. But if you're a footballer, you'd want to play. You'd want yeah. to be on the pitch as much as possible. And that's honestly just been the thing that I've had with Gareth Bale over the last couple of years. I agree that you have every right to stay there and earn the paycheck. But for a footballer to just be okay with sitting on the bench well, and he's, not he's play... Con- okay, well, he's calling well. I'm going to come in here. Um, just yeah. a day before the match, so yesterday he came out and he did an interview with Sky Sports. And he said that Real Madrid are blocking him from leaving. So he said he was on the verge of a move last summer and Real Madrid blocked it. Mm. Same again in January and Real Madrid blocked it. And he said, I want to leave. I want yeah. to play football. But Real Madrid yeah, but, blocking but, my but move Craig, out of the club. But, so, but, I mean, but, I mean Craig, that's the thing. No, but the, that's the thing, Craig. There's a lot of word on the street about how part of the reason why Real Madrid have been wanting him to sort of stay or they haven't been agreed to, to, to let him go is because of that difference in the wages, right? The, any other club out there that wants to bring him cannot afford the current wage that he is. And mm. to some extent, Real Madrid would have to offset it. I, I don't think it's just a case of them not completely wanting to let Gareth Bale go. Pretty sure at this point, if Bale isn't being used, yeah, he but, isn't but playing regularly. It, hang on, hang on a second. Let, let me jump in yeah. here, Kish. But if you're saying money is a problem for Real Madrid, then oh, I don't know. You're Real Madrid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, listen. We're, we're, we're going to pause this here. We're going to come back 
and, and still carry on about Gareth Bale right after this break. This match would normally have over 80,000 pairs of eyes trained on it, but now... On the ball on BFM 89.9. That's it. It's all over. This is a big win. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Back on BFM's 12th birthday. Happy birthday, BFM. I'm with the two Craigs, Craig Wilkie, Craig Morales, as well as Kishnan. Now, just before the break, we, it was kind of getting heated. We're talking about Gareth Bale and, and his Real Madrid situation. The fact that he, he was really rusty in the 45 minutes he played for Wales. I personally think he's let the Welsh fans down here. I mean, you know, you, you, you look forward to seeing he's your talisman. And, and he's come out and he's looked like, like you said, Kish, he's given up. He doesn't care anymore. That's not a good look. Not when you're playing for your country. Yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's the frustrating bit really, right? I think over the last 12 months or 18 months, um, a large portion of football fans, or even Welsh fans for that matter, have sort of, um, given him the benefit of the doubt with the situation at Real Madrid. So as long as he turns up for the national team and he shows that he's always up for it. And to be fair to him, he usually does. It's just that it's it's super weird how he turned up um, um, for, for this particular um, situation. And Ryan Giggs is just being as ruthless as he, as he needs to. If you're not fit, you can't be a part of the system, um, not just on the pitch, but essentially the example that you're setting for you know, they've got a lot of young players part of this squad this time around. And it's the last thing you'd want. Yeah. A professional, the beacon of hope for Welsh football, turning up, um, looking like he's not even, like, like he just doesn't care, looking like he's just not ready yeah. to get on the pitch and play. And, and, and it's frustrating really, Ross, because Gareth Bale, it, it's supremely talented. We've seen the best of him. I still go to YouTube and find the highlights of that Spurs Inter Milan game because I, I, I still think about it and I can't think of many performances like that. And mm. for a player who's that talented to be where he is at the moment, the situation that he finds himself in, I find it very difficult to just look at the club and say it's solely Real Madrid's problem. Exactly. Surely, surely. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to jump in again. Yeah. And, and in, and in uh, Ryan Giggs' post-match interview, you know, he said it was a planned thing that Gareth. Yeah, he was, was only going to play forty-five half. minutes. I understand. Yeah, so I mean, but he looked rusty. About... He was. He looked. No, rusty. He looked yeah. It was like, it was like you... me going out there, turning out for Wales. Yeah, but what do you expect for a guy who hasn't played in about six, eight? Months? I don't know. Training your home gym you... twenty-four hours a day. Yeah, but yeah. Well, you got to understand. But great. You're telling me there's a difference between you know being physically fit. Okay. Yeah. And difference between match fitness. Yeah, no, but, but Craig, you're, you're telling me that his inability yeah. to play in Real Madrid or his inability to get a move or the, you know, just as a whole, the entire pickle that he finds himself in, you're telling me that's solely Real Madrid's fault, that he has nothing to do with it, that he the couldn't player, have done the player, The player himself has come out and said, I've tried to leave Real Madrid to play football, which is what I want to do, and Real Madrid have kept blocking my moves. Last summer and in January. He's come out and said that. Okay. Right. We're, we're going to, before we leave off the whole Gareth Bale thing, Craig Wilkie, anything to add about him? Have you tweeted him to get his hair cut yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm quite happy to offer him, you know, haircut advice. I, I think he just needs to go, like we all do, on that Bayern Munich training regime because you look at how those guys have come out of lockdown. Then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If he'd come out looking like that, I don't think there'd be any complaints. But, you know, the, the, the final thing is that we're talking about the legacy of a career here, you know, and as Keish mentioned earlier, what a talented player. And you know, there's a lot of time left after you retire that you can play golf and you can enjoy living in your big house. I just think that when you look back on those moments that you create on the football pitch, you want to, you want to have as many of those to look back on as you possibly can. Mm. And let's hope that whatever is happening behind the scenes, that something gets resolved and we get to see Gareth Bale back playing at his best somewhere pretty soon. Yeah, here, here. Well said, well said. All right, um, it was a good win. It was Kiefer Moore's winner for Wales. It was a League B4 uh, match. It was away. So Finland nil, Wales won. Also in the group uh, is Republic of Ireland. They went away and in typical Republic of Ireland fashion, Stole a late equaliser from Shane Duffy, you know, as you do, muscling in with the header. One-one uh, um, again, but this was a youthful Republic of Ireland. Uh, they had what 
Adam Ida, who was at Norwich last year, relegated. He's 19. He led the line along with Aaron Connolly from Brighton, who's, what, 20? Uh, I mean, Craig Marias, this is a Republic rebuilding. They can't just nick players from England a la Townsend and co anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, it is a young, uh, you know, it's a new uh, generation coming through uh, under a new manager. What, what I thought about this was, uh, what was weird uh, when the call-ups were done, was um, there was no selection or there was no space for Michael Oberfemi, um, who has been performing for Southampton, had a good post-lockdown, um, you know, had good post-lockdown form, started a few games for Southampton even. Um, and, you know, you get people like, Adam Ida, who is, is a good talent, um, but hasn't had that many minutes at Norwich no. as well. So it was a bit of a weird one. And I think, um, you know, Michael Obafemi, who's been playing, who has played for Ireland as well before, um, you know, was, wasn't too uh, pleased about that on social media. But it is, a, I, I like Kyla, you know, I've always got a soft spot for Ireland. Um, just, you know, just, you know, because of back in the day, you know, when you had your Larklings and Bobby Keynes and you know, I think it was the 2002 they, World Cup. They were a Premier League team yeah. big at the World Cup. Yeah, right? yeah. which is good. And, and, you know, the fans always bring a good good atmosphere to, to, to games and things like that. So, um, you know, they were lucky to get uh, anything out of this. Right on the death, Shane Duffy uh, popping up, um, who's just recently moved to Celtic as well. Um, yeah, but it, it, it's, a new, it's a new age for Ireland. You know, and how they get out of this, um, you know, the, the main target, you know, similarly to Wales and Scotland, is to reach a major. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. Like you said, England are always going to be the ones that more or less get the cream of the crop 90, 95% of the time. Mm. Um, so it's a bit detrimental to, to, to the other countries, uh, the other home nations. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think the main target, obviously, is to qualify for majors and, uh, that's that's how you can determine whether you know the country's moving forward and if the coach is doing the right thing. Craig, well, just on that point, yeah. yeah, let us not forget that in the playoff draw, Republic of Ireland have got Slovakia, exactly, easy game. But the other semi-final of that is Northern Ireland versus Bosnia. Now it's a big ask for both Irish sides to get through, but if they did, what a one-off game that would be to make it to a major finals. I mean, the prospect of that is really something. The, the, the way uh, the Irish are trying to bring you through, Kish, um, I mean, this is uh, the under-21 coach, uh, Kenny, who's replaced Mick McCarthy. So I, I guess it's the right way to do it. And, you know, like, like I mentioned, you can't just keep nicking England players anymore. <laughs> oh, Irish great-great-great-great-grandfather. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I still remember us having this conversation maybe a year ago, maybe a couple of years ago, about how it is time for for all countries, like for example, your Scotlands and your and your islands and your uh, Northern Islands, even to just be a bit more progressive from a from a managerial standpoint, from a from a squad building standpoint. It's it's you can't just keep using the the the, the, the sort of like argument that the best place play for England and that they don't have the talent pools because a lot of these young Irish boys are part of like Premier League club setups, right? And it's it's just good to see that. I mean, Mick McCarthy, how long have we heard his name? Like, can we move past him? Like, you know, like, can we just for once get in a progressive young coach? I mean, just imagine what someone like Graham Potter would do at a place like Northern Ireland, right? Incorporating data, uh, uh, analytics, you know, incorporating... Uh, a more modern uh, continental style of football, giving you the chance. And that's exactly what Kenny is trying to do with, with, with this uh, island side. And, and I really like to see that. Obviously, you will need your experienced names. I'm not saying completely get rid of everyone. Shane Duffy is a perfect example. He's an absolute leader, right? Uh, just joined Celtic as well. Uh, he's always been a huge part of, of Brighton. You'll need them, but you need to give in, get in these young boys because the young boys are no longer playing the old school uh, you know, British style of football in, in any way whatsoever, right? Even for in, even in England, the, the the younger boys are all playing a more continental, you know, filled with swagger, and and you need that. You 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 need that for 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 countries like Republic of Ireland, and it's just nice to see the transformation slowly happening on the pitch. All right, brilliant stuff. Uh, that was a B four Group B four. So Wales uh, will next take on Bulgaria on Sunday at nine pm. That- Watch Gareth Bale in his 
30-minute cameo. <laughs> Republic of Ireland versus Finland is a midnight Monday game. That's a league B for a quick break. We're going to come back and preview some of the weekend's Nations League matches for you. Stay tuned. Has come up with uh, something beyond the ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Craig Wilkie, Craig Marias and Kishnan in, uh, I was going to say the house, but in their houses this evening. <laughs> first show of the new season. What a strange old season the last one was. Let, let's hope for much better this season. As usual. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, on, um, we have a YouTube channel out. It's TFIF on video. We try and put out a new video every Friday. Right, looking forward to some of the uh, football action you can expect this weekend. Uh, tonight, or rather Saturday morning, League A1 of the Nations League takes place. Italy take on Bosnia in Florence. You've got Netherlands against Poland. They're both uh, 2.45 a.m. Saturday kickoffs. Uh, England, let's start uh, previewing England. England are away at Iceland. England are in League A2 along with Denmark, Belgium and Iceland. Their first assignment is an away match uh, in Iceland. Um, it's the first meeting, Craig Marias, since that famous Iceland victory. <laughs> Surely lightning can't strike. Paul. I didn't like to bring it up, Ross, but since you did. <laughs> yeah, the infamous uh, loss at the Euros with yeah. uh, Boy Hodgson in charge. Uh, how can we forget? How can we forget when Harry Kane was taking our corner kicks? Um, yeah, yeah let's, let's not talk about that. I think I'd like to think that England have moved on uh, quite well since then. Um, you know, Southgate came in uh, thereafter in and really put his, his mark on it in terms of bringing in youth players, uh, changing the style of play. Yeah, I mean, um, that, and, let's, you know, let's, it, it just goes... Um, yeah. Look at the, the squad. I mean, Phil Foden's in, in the midfield. You've got Mason Mount, yeah. Jack Grealish has been called out. Uh, this is exciting, uh, an exciting England midfield, Craig, isn't it? Yeah, Mason Greenwood as well. Mason Greenwood's uh, in there as yeah, well. Yeah, if he plays off on the wing. Um, just going on what, what Keith said about Ireland, you know, it's a similar kind of thing, you know, we had Roy Hodgson in charge, who was our equivalent of a Mick McCarthy, I guess. Uh, you know, he ditched him and brought the other 21 coach in, uh, which is Gareth Southgate, you know. And, and that kind of, and, and changing the whole kind of mindset with the English players. I mean, we saw straight away in the World Cup a couple of years back, you know, how, how progress England had come in such a short period of time. Now, the term, like, when you talk about the quality of players, it's always been there. It's, it's about the mindset. It's about how you're changing tactically. It's about how you play the game and, and Southgate has come in and he changed it. I was so skeptical about that appointment. Uh, but, you know, now, you know, it's hard to imagine, uh, you know, in England without Southgate right now because um, he's got that, uh, the players have a good vibe with him. Uh, it translates onto the pitch. And like you said, Ross, you know, a lot of, a lot of English talent around them, yeah. if they play well for their clubs, they get chances. Um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not back in the good old days. Like they're, all flair, they're all flair-type players. Flair players. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot has been spoken Greenwood, about. Greenwood, Greenwood, and Bowden. Yeah, yeah and they're, they're all, yeah, they're, they're all exceptional kind of talents. Exactly. Um, I, I still think at the back is where England are most weak. Uh, that centre back role. Uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I can't see another upset on the cards. If you okay. Ask me. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say, um, Keish, Let me come to you now and, and say, if there's one area Iceland can exploit. It's the back, because Harry Maguire is on a Greek tragic holiday at the moment. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, hang on, Luke Shaw's out, Chilwell's out injured, uh, th th there's no Harry Maguire. So, you know, if, if there's an area, maybe it's the back. But I understand but, Connor Cody. Yes, I was just about to say that, right? Why are we talking about the back when we've got Connor Cody in the squad for the first time ever? I mean... <laughs> When that news broke, I was just like, finally, like, you know, like, how is it, how has it taken people so long? How has it taken Southgate so long to see 
his worth. And this is this is the same problem that I've that I've had with with England over the years, whereby the defenders tend to come from the the, the bigger clubs, the big six. Because a simple example would be. Four years ago, Euro 2016, was it Euro 2016 or maybe yeah. World Cup 2014? I yeah. can't remember. But one of those tournaments, it was like a no-brainer to have brought Curtis Davis, who was really, really, really good for Hull City that year. But he wasn't in the England squad. Instead, you had players like Phil Jones and Chris Smalling, who, who you know, have just perennially just struggled for at, at, at international level. And it's just... It's just an absolute delight to see Connor Cody finally being given the recognition. <laughs> I, a fantastic I had to have you on the show previewing him. He's a fantastic leader. Make no mistakes. He's a, he's a really, really solid defender. He's going to cement um, his spot will, in there now, right? It's Cody I, I really hope another. so. Yeah, because he plays in a back three for Wolves. So if, if Southgate wants to go with that back three approach, um, he, he's, he's a perfect role, a player to, to play right at, at, at the heart of that back three. So it's it's good to see Conor Cody in that in, in, in that lineup. I but I mean, I agree that the weakest link, quite possibly in this position uh, in England setup is probably the defense. Mm. Though besides Conor Cody, you've got Eric Dyer. I was just reading this this article about how Eric Dyer, the moment Mourinho came into Spurs, he walked up to him and said, "I want to play." Centre back, and after the first couple of matches, and he Mourinho would have said that in Portuguese himself. as well to Eric Dyer, wouldn't he? Exactly, he would have said that in Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, and, and he went on to play project restart in, in that centre back position. He has cemented a first team spot for Spurs there. Okay, so him being going back into that position is great. But Ross, the most important thing, England will finally have a proper screening defensive midfielder in Calvin Phillips. Uh-huh. What a player yeah. Calvin Phillips yeah, 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 is. And yeah. I know he's been whoa, playing in the championship. <laughs> finally, I, I know you might disagree, Craig. You <laughs> might disagree, Craig. But what I mean is, I don't think England have had a player like Calvin Phillips in a while. And like I've watched a lot of Calvin Phillips last year. Uh, I, I remember going to Leeds' uh, preseason game against United. And I remember thinking, who is this guy? And I followed him throughout the course of the season. And he's just a really impressive player. Should have played in the Premier League last year. But obviously, Leeds wanted to keep him. Um, he's a lot better than people think he is. And I think it, he might or might not immediately be a first-team player for England. But he, this is the guy that's going to be that defensive midfielder that's going to protect the back four. And he's really, really good at it. All right. Uh, can I just say we have Declan Rice here? Oh, yeah, yeah. I happen to we, think we, Calvin Phillips is better than Declan no, no, Rice. I mean, I mean, you said about defensive midfielders. We've had Declan Rice. We've had Eric Dyer in that position. In the past, we've had Scott Parker. We've had Michael Carrick. Okay, it's of a different cloth. Yeah. All right, it's it's a League A two game. Iceland versus England. It's a Sunday midnight kickoff. Also from the same group, it's Denmark versus Belgium. That's a Sunday two forty five a.m. kickoff. We simply must talk about Scotland. Scotland are playing in Group B two. They, they're facing <laughs> Israel, who are their playoff <laughs> opponents. Craig Wilkie. So I, I don't know. How would you approach this? Would Would you put your strongest team out now against Israel, or, or would you give them a false sense of security and 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 feel the a shadow team? And how how would you approach this one? Well, I think the manager's hand is going to be rather forced by the squad that he's got left available, to be True. honest, because there's been, there's been a lot of call-offs, especially up front. I mean, we're looking at a situation whereby I don't think we even really have a recognised striker in the squad. So there's going to be a little bit of tinkering that's going to be forced upon him. Uh, there's been a lot of talk ahead of the game about Ollie McBurney, who's not entirely um, convinced the Scottish support as yet. And he, he pulled out of the squad and then, of course, he played in a preseason game for, for Sheffield United. And both he and the manager have come out and explained that that was kind of all agreed beforehand. But it's further undermined a little bit the trust that maybe some of the Scottish fans have in him. But big game because of the fact, as you say, that this is Israel, our opponents for the, the playoff game, which matters in just a month or so's time. So we definitely want to get a feel for them and how they're set up. Actually, we played them in the Nations League last year as part of the whole qualifying thing as well. Mm. So um, we should know what they're all about. It's, it's a huge, I mean, my whole adult life, I've been waiting on Scotland qualifying again for a major tournament. It's been a, a very long time. This, and that's one of the great things about the Nations League, actually, is that it gives another opportunity to, to sides such as Scotland. Was to, it 78, the last World Cup? <laughs> 98 was the last Na- time we were... We, Na- we were uh, the Archie Gemmels. Oh, yeah, 98. 17. 98. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. A, li- a little bit more recently, <laughs> didn't <that>? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, 
<laughs> within my lifetime, within my lifetime. Um, but so I think, I mean, you would expect us, you would expect us to overcome Israel in the semi-final. Although, of course, we don't know if there'll be any fans at Hamden for that actual playoff game, which would be a, a bit of a blow, obviously. But then the other semi-final of, of our um, draw is uh, Serbia and Norway. So either of those away yeah. in a one-off tie, that's, that's quite tricky, actually, given the quality of some of their players. So we'll have to see. Still a long way to go yet before we can book our tickets for the Euros. But, but we'll see. Another step forward. <laughs> As far as the Nations League's concerned, Scotland's in a tough old group. It's Scotland versus Israel, Saturday, 2.45 a.m. kickoff. Also in the same group, Slovakia versus the Czech Republic. That too is a Saturday, 2.45 a.m. kickoff. Final break then. When we come back, transfers and fantasy football. Stay tuned. We wondered if he'd make a difference. Tell what he beats him all ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Two-goal lead, a picture for goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us one more time. Happy 12th birthday, BFM. Yeah, we're, we're like the last show on, or last live show on for the day. So, happy birthday! Um, it's, it's me, Ross. It's Craig Wilkie, Craig Marias, and Keish here. We're, we talked a little bit about the Nations League, but with the Premier League, just a week away, some massive transfers have taken place, are about to take place. Uh, one that's confirmed, I'm coming to you first, Craig Marais, is Donny van der Beek, Ajax to Man United for £34.7 million. Um, we we kind of spoke off air saying it's not exactly what's crucially needed by Man United at the moment, but he's a great signing, isn't he? It is, and um, you know, it's someone that has been linked with with big big clubs, um, you know, over the course of the last year. Um, I think he was in the verge of moving to Real Madrid uh, last summer. Um, you know, when Koeman went in, he was linked with Barcelona. He's a fantastic, fantastic player, and you know, while your your Frankie De Jong's last year got all the headlines, mm. Van der Beek has always been the one. Yeah, that dictates things as well. You know, he, he's been, you know, a heartbeat of that Ajax team as well. Um, is he what United need? I, I don't really think so. But when you're adding quality to a team, you know, you can't argue that. You can't say that, you know, United aren't adding quality because he makes every team, you know, that little bit better. And what he has is game pitch intelligence, which, um, I mean, if you've watched Ajax in the Champions League, during their Champions League run, um, you know, you'd see that he's a very intelligent player in, in the sense that he finds spaces. He makes late runs into the box. Um, he's almost got that. Apparently, that hang on, hang on. Let me jump in here. Apparently, yeah. he's won the most penalties for Ajax last season. As I say Bruno, that, Bruno, as I say Bruno, that, Bruno, Bruno Fernandez's ears are like freaking <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was just saying, like, he, he has that Lampard type thing about him arriving yeah. late into the box arriving in good positions, having a knack to, um, you know, having a knack to find out where the ball's going to end up, you know, and uh, it, it's really interesting how, how Ole's going to do this, uh, to be fair, and that's, that's my only concern. I thought Matic did really well. I thought Fred did really well. McTominay, well, what he's may, maybe, really... maybe it's going to be a matured sitting Pogba. You, you, you never yeah, know. And, you know. And that's why, I mean, in, in uh, Van Der Beek's interview, um, since his move, he said that you know, Ole feels that he's more effective round, in and around the box. Um, so, so that would hint that he's going to play a more advanced role in this. And yes, you're right. You know, you know, that could result in, in Pogba just sitting a little bit deeper. Yeah, and then Fernandes um, a little bit deeper as well. Yeah, um, and, and allowing um, Van de Beek the license to, to, to bomb forward. So it's going to be interesting, uh, especially with uh, not many friendly games. Um, exactly. Exactly. Um, Keish. Um, I know you want to talk about United, but we need to move on. So many, uh, yeah. I want to speak about Everton. Uh, this yep. is Carlo yep. Ancelotti being Carlo Ancelotti. Look at some of the names they've been linked with. Apparently, Dekure is joining uh, from Watford, 25 million. But James yep. Rodriguez is expected to have his medical. Uh, it's expected to sign on. And wow, right? Yeah, th those are some really pretty big names. Um, Here's the, here's the thing, though. Um, I think Allen would be a good signing. I think Ducore is a great signing. I think they, they need bodies like that in, in the midfield. Uh, the, the thing about Everton is ever since they've let Idrissa Ganagay leave, they, they've not sort of replaced yeah. him at the heart of their midfield. 
Uh, Andre Gomez has been in and out with injury. Um, there's still question marks over whether he's exactly the kind of player that Ancelotti wants. Um, Gabamin has been, you know, he's, he's had his injury issues as well. There's still question marks as, a, as to whether he's a replacement for Idrissa Ganagay. But um, Ducore gives them that dynamism in midfield. Mm. Uh, we've seen him play for, for Watford. I really, really, I, I still think of his performance against Liverpool when Watford were able to beat them. Uh, I think it was 3-1. Ducore was absolutely sensational yeah. in that game. Just completely ran the midfield. Uh, so I think someone like Ducore would definitely come in and do do the job. Um, James Rodriguez, now that's a whole different situation altogether. We've had this thing with Everton and attacking midfielders, if you remember, two, three years ago. They had Sigurdsson, Wayne Rooney and Davy Klaassen and every single one of them on the pitch. Um, James is great, talented. Not sure how he's going to fit into the Premier League at this point, but a talent like that, if you can bring, if, if Ancelotti can get the best out of him, so be it. My biggest beef with, with Everton is, where is that striker? Yeah, where is that 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 main guy that's going to come in and get you those goals? Because that has been your number one problem since Romelu Lukaku left, and they've mm. tried and tested multiple alternatives. Richarlison, sure, I, I I'm not a fan of him playing as that only striker up front. Moise Keane has has you know struggled for confidence. Uh, it still remains to be seen how big of a role he's going to play. Uh, Calvert Lewin, I'm a big fan of him. But yep. take him out he of the equation and who else more. is there? Yeah, yeah. Who else is there besides Calvert-Lewin to just guarantee you goals? And Everton really need that one name up front at the moment. All right, let's move on from Everton and talk about Chelsea, the biggest spenders of the window so far. Craig Wilkie, apparently Kai Havertz is on the verge of joining an 80 million euro deal plus 20 million in add-ons. Um uh, but again, uh, it's it's strengthening their forward line. We we know they're quite formidable there anyway, Chelsea, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, you were talking about how is it all going to fit together and work out in Manchester United, and I think that question is raised even more starkly when it comes to the signings that Chelsea have made and fantastic footballers, all that Lampard has brought in. Um, but it's just going to be interesting to see how he fits them all together in the system. And I think, as Craig was mentioning earlier, what it brings is a lot of pressure. Because that's a lot of money that Chelsea have spent over the course of this transfer window. And if we compare back to a year ago when Lampard took over, and of course he was in a situation then whereby they had the transfer ban, he was bringing in kids. So I think he got a lot of leeway at that point for mm. people understood some of the difficult circumstances that he was working in. Whereas this time, you know, the checkbook has come out. He's got, it looks like, just about every signing that he's asked for. Um, I agree with you. There's maybe still other areas of the pitch that, they might still want to look at and, and strengthen potentially, but some some really exciting talent has now arrived at Stamford Bridge. And but the question again is how quickly the can Premier they League. gel? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Exactly. How, how quickly can they gel? How quickly can they get them all playing together? So that, that those first few weeks of the season are going to be so intriguing. Just as players come back, new players try and settle in. I wouldn't be surprised if we get some, you know, shocking results maybe in that first month or so. Just as all of this kind of beds down and settles in. All right, so many transfers we're not going to cover. Arsenal have signed Gabriel from Lille for 24 million. Timothy Castagna, uh, the Atalanta fullback, uh, has joined Leicester City. We're going to leave off transfers now and concentrate a little bit on fantasy football. We've got Liga TFIF Premier. What a great title, league name. Um, uh, it's going on. Uh, the code to join is 6RTZF. Oh, all small letters. Don't worry, I'll put it up on our Facebook page again. But Craig Marias, I understand you have a fantasy football show out on, on YouTube. What's that about? Are, are you that good? Yeah, no, I'm not. And um, that's why I've had to get a few experts in uh, to, to kind of help me on the show. Um, it's them that's giving you advice, not me. So, you know, you, you're still going to be quite lucky in that respect. Um, but yeah, um, during this whole lockdown period, you know, I looked at it and, you know, I thought, hey, why don't I start my own show? Um, it's called FPL Expectations. All the pundits and experts are Asia-based. Um, and what I noticed was that there's a real strong uh, market in Asia um, and a lot of active players, a lot of very good players as well. Uh, which which kind of goes under the radar quite. Okay, a bit. well, uh, let me let yeah. me just cut in and all that. I understand, but but. Setting up fantasy football teams with, with a week away, I, wanna tell, I want you to tell us who out of the new signings we've mentioned is worth a punt. Out of all the, the new signings we've, we've spoken about and, and all the signings yeah. that happened over the summer, who would you take a punt on in your fantasy well, football? Well, I think, 
Yeah, yeah. Considering with fixtures and everything, I think uh, Timo Werner is a tasty looking player at 9.5 million. Um, you know, you'd expect him to start. He looked sharp, scored for Chelsea already, scored for Germany as well last night. Uh, so he's a player that that if you've got a little bit of money to spare up front, is someone that you know you really want to get into your team. I, I think Chelsea faced Brighton um, in the, on the first day of the season as well. Um, so so that could be a very tasty fixture uh, for them. And coming coming off them, I mean, you got your, your standard. I mean, Spurs. You know, they started the season pretty good. Arsenal have a fantastic couple of fixtures before yeah. it gets a little bit tougher. Um, what you have to remember is that Man United and Man City don't play the first game. Exactly. First game so week. do you do you so, save the Fernandez money or, or what? Do you, do you buy him and put him on the bench? I don't know. Yeah, so we've seen a few drafts and a few of the experts that have uh, drafted out there, one of the many drafts. And um, the consensus is, is that, you know, stay away from, from United and City or have at least one. So have the Mason Greenwood at 7.5 million. Uh, that could sit on your bench for that first uh, game week. But then again, that depends a lot on the Sancho deal and, or Kingsley Goman or Douglas Costa and whoever United decide to bring in on the right-hand side uh, will impact that, that Mason Greenwood price. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's so much uncertainty is what I would say uh, going into the season. And, and a lot of FPL uh, experts are thinking, you know, do I go with, go with the try to test it? Or do I take a gamble and go with the new uh, with the new blood that's coming to the Premier League? So it's really good. But do uh, do give us a follow and subscribe to our channel, FPL Expect Asians um, on YouTube, um, and we deliver about three to four videos uh, per week. We've got some really good players on there that give you expert advice. So um, yeah, it's it's smart all round. If uh, if you're looking to you know go well, make some money in your fantasy foot, uh, fantasy football teams this week. Uh, this, right. this season, sorry. All right, brilliant stuff. I, I know Craig Wilkie and Keish also uh, are fantasy football managers, and they are in our league. Uh, just very quickly, our code to join is six, and then all small letters R T Z F O. I'll put that up on our Facebook page when I post the show uh, later on tonight. Uh, that's it. We're out of time. So many thanks to the two Craigs, Wilkie and Marias, and to Kishnan. And you guys, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.